welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today, I'm joined by Tom Redman, also known as the Data Doc. Tom is the president of Data Quality Solutions. He's among the few able to combine a visionary's view of data landscape with deep expertise in data quality and data science. He's a prolific speaker and writer of several books and countless articles. His latest book, The Real Work of Data Science, was published in 2019. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. So you have you know a long history in the data quality data management space and have been you know one of my role models for a long time and and you know we've gotten to know each other through the years at, at you know attending similar events and we'll talk about some of that today um but the the as many reasons as I wanted to have you on the show, I kind of would just like to start uh, with this is that we had a conversation uh, shortly after my book came out last year. And you were, you had read it, and it was exciting, and, and we talked a lot about different aspects of it, and, and noodled it, and it was it was really cool for me to be able to have that conversation with you. But you did have one point of of criticism that got me thinking, and I immediately was like, I, I kind of agree with your criticism, and that is that in our data leadership framework, in in the book that I wrote. I really kind of glossed over. I think is a fair way of saying it. The role of data creation in data quality. And to me, it's implied and like it's it's clear, but it's not well stated. It's certainly not stated enough into the to the level of emphasis that it needs to be in the context of the book, especially for somebody who doesn't come in. And I think for me, it's it, it was a learning opportunity to say, you know what, that was one area that I really should have spent more time on building up the fun fundamentals. So can you talk about... Um, you know, your perspective on that and, and help those that are out there watching or listening to this, uh, help them understand what is it that they should really know about that piece of criticism? Because I'd like to, to give them that opportunity now if they hadn't gotten it when reading the book themselves. Yep. Okay. Well, well, well first of all, I thank you for the kind words, Anthony. And, and, uh, and to begin, let, let's put data quality in, in its full context. Um, so you go just just take before the crisis, and I've done a little bit of work to try to get our arms around how good is the data actually. And I guess it was two or three years ago that finally assembled enough data from things that we could quote and so put together an article that uh, that was titled uh, "Only Three Percent of Companies' Data Meets Basic Quality Standards." So we uh, published this this little article at, at hbr.org, and it and it really set on for the first time in my view in in real foundation that that uh, most of the data is is not up to shape it is not up to to standards and so I mean we look at things you know now today I mean in as we fight the pandemic it's all the misinformation that's running around and. And, and the impact is causing, but it's not, you know, just, just, you know, well, how many people have died, but it's, it's when is my state's website for unemployment going to actually work? When are they going to have toilet paper in the, in the bathroom and so forth? We have to really set ourselves in this grounding that, that too much of the data is bad. Right. And, 
and the impact is 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 simply enormous. I mean, it's, you know, some of it is is just pretty basic. You know, the operations get fouled up. The, the wrong size sweater is sent to the wrong address. That kind of thing. Bad decisions are made, and so all that trite stuff. You net that out, right? It is an incredible amount of money. Uh, IBM published a statistic that it, it, it came to $3 trillion a year. Um, the people, you know, may spend 20 or more percent of their time every day cleaning up data so they can they can do their job as either a salesman or maybe they search for oil or or whatever it does. And and then then the hottest thing around, you know, today is, is artificial intelligence, machine learning. And right. You put bad data into an algorithm and, and you get a bad algorithm, pure and simple. And, and so, look, everything we want to do in the data space runs through quality and and the quality is 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 bad. Mm-hmm. Now, now, the bottom line is, is there's two ways to attack the issue. And one way is to deal with bad data as you try to use it and, and just sort of, you know, look, clean up the data, right? Figure out this is the wrong address. What's the what's the right address? We want to create a, a, an algorithm, right? Run the data through some, some, some machine learning thing to help us identify errors, try to fix the errors kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and there is a whole cottage industry of tools and, and things that we in the data management space have, have tried to use. And and uh, and the second way to do it is quit making so many errors in the first place, right? right? And, and, I mean, and, I, and I hope it sounds just as obvious as I made it out to be. Right. It is really hard to find and correct errors. It costs a lot of money. It is contributing to that three trillion dollar problem that I cited today. And and as opposed to creating the data correctly, which requires a different mindset, what frankly is way, way easier. And and it works. Right now and, and by the way, it works really, really well. People need a little bit of measurement. They need to understand what's most important. But then time and time again Right. So people can go out and find, ah, here's the root cause of that problem. Let's make it go away forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so this is what I mean by by focusing on on the points of data creation. Um, and just, you know, one thing further. And this is almost everybody inside a modern organization today is a data creator. Mm-hmm. And so almost everybody gets to join in the fun. Yeah. And and so one of the challenges that I have often encountered, and I'm sure you have a perspective on with data creation, is that a lot of times the person who's doing that data entry isn't the person who's going to benefit most directly from the data quality in which they've they've created the data. And so how do you help organizations reconcile that? Well, so that's a good question, Anthony. But look, look, here's what I find. There's two important roles in data quality. One is the data creator, and the other is the data customer. And so the customer is the person or the organization, or in some cases, it's an algorithm, right? So somebody's responsible for the algorithm, hopefully, that is going to, to, to use the data. And and so, you know, people come in and, and you know, look, maybe they're creating creating data incorrectly, 
But nobody has ever told them that there's a customer and that the customer needs the data to, to do whatever it is. I'm, I'm, I, I tell a little story about, uh, about a, a woman in, in sales who, who gets her leads for marketing. And, and if the contact information isn't right, then she has to spend a couple of hours every day you know, finding the right contact information. So it's not like anybody in marketing said, oh, we're going to get send over bad details, right? Because we know that that's going to screw our, 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 our colleague up over in sales and, and they'll have to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, so most creators have never been advised of who the custom, customer is or what the customer requires. And, and so I find almost always, now not always, there's been one or two exceptions over the course of my career, which you know now is a lot longer than I care to admit. Well, this didn't happen. But, but when customers reach out to creators and say, hey, I use the stuff you create. Here's what I use it for. Mm-hmm. Here's why it's important. Can we work together so that you'll understand what I need? and fix your process. Right. And and time and time again, I find that, you know, the creators step up, okay? And, and um, you know, it's a, most of them simply, you know, they don't want to foul up somebody in, in another part of their organization, up, mm-hmm. right? Now, it doesn't always work, and not all data comes from inside the organization. So, you know, so there's some little twists and turns on this. But the bottom line is, is there's these very, very two important roles, creator and customer. And neither one of them is, is, is technically hard, but they do require people to think and act differently. And, and I find that, you know, when, again, when people learn about these roles and they step into them, uh, quality almost always improves really, really quickly. Right. So communication, like so many things, so many breakdowns in our organization have a communication component both to the cause of them and to the solution behind them um, yeah. and, and resolving them. And so, yeah, that, I mean, that's a really good point. Right. Uh, sometimes I say, well, nobody ever comes into the uh, into work and says, I'm going to do something today because I know it's going to foul up three departments away in six months. Right. Right. So. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And and so the only – but people are fouling up Loretta. And and so the only conclusion you can reach is they don't know what Loretta needs, right? And and um, and this failure to communicate, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, it sounds so simple, and yet it requires – you know, these roles are simple, but they require a great deal of thought, and they require a change in the way people act – and they think about their job. Yeah, well, and I think that we're seeing certainly at and higher levels of an organization, but I imagine it's true kind of throughout organizations is that there's a greater awareness that data is important. They that the implications of that may not always be clear, but people throughout an organization realizes, hey, data is an important piece of our future success. And even though I don't know all the ins and outs of it. It's a they become a more receptive audience, realizing that oh, I can see why the data that I'm creating actually does get used by somebody and actually does matter to future business. And so I think by 
helping them understand how we'll have more receptive audiences than maybe in the past. I think about a client that I once had um, that was in the insurance space. And a lot of the data was being entered by sales folks, uh, like insurance brokers. And they didn't have time for any data entry or what have you because they were too busy doing sales and other stuff like that. Um, but I wonder if today, because this is probably 10, 15 years ago now, I wonder if today maybe they realize, hey, I've been doing a lot more work from reports and other pieces of information, and I've seen firsthand some of the degradation of information from my own work in the past. I, I may be now more receptive than I used to be to, to doing a little bit more work to making sure that data gets entered in the first place. Is that something that you've seen or is that is that trend not yet clear? Well, well, I haven't seen the trend. I mean, frankly, you know, look, I think a lot of people say, well, look, I'm, 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 I'm too busy, you know, to do this job. And, and, and when it appears to just be a bureaucratic, a bureaucratic, you know, waste of time, you can't blame them. And that's why connecting the dots. Is, well, when you don't do this, here's what happens. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is that explanation that, that, um, you know, that, that I find is the winner. And frankly, it's, it's worked for me. I don't know. I mean, when I say it's worked, I mean, it's, it's, it's just basic blocking and tackling. So I really haven't noticed that. Yeah. So maybe it's, it's hypothetical, but regardless, I mean, I think the, the clear guidance though, is that it's, a you know it is a wake-up call to people that are entering data hey this stuff is important and you should take that in consideration in the work you're doing to to get information into whatever systems you're working with so by the way it's not just people entering data so we gather a lot of data with machines yeah yeah right and and so who's responsible for the machine right you know who's responsible for calibrating the device right i mean you know the point of data creation we, we tend to think of it it's you know, somebody who, we've, who who's a data entry folk and, and, and you know, and, the, and, the, and it's this low-level job. But data creation is going on at all levels, right? And, it, and, it's, and it's going on. So, you know, you think about a, a decision and the direction we're going to go, uh, a, a decision about what we're going to count as a, as a COVID-19 um, uh, incident and so forth. So those happen higher up. But that is creating data in the same sense. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so this is this is not a message we want to necessarily push down. This is a message mm-hmm. we want to push up and we want to push the message out. Interesting. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I want to take this notion of a wake up call and, and I want to talk a little bit about you. You recently published an article at Dataversity in collaboration with John Ladley and some other folks talking about how we've failed collectively with data management and now right now should serve as a wake up call to us. So how did how did that article come about? How did you arrive at that conclusion? And when when because there's so many people like some of the people that are listening to this are data management folks, but many people are not. What should people who aren't data management professionals do in response to this wake-up call and in, in, in this fact that we seemingly have failed with data management? Yeah, so, so let me answer that in two parts. I mean, I, I, I myself and, 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 and a few others have been saying for, I don't know, 10 years that our number one job in data management is to train up. Right. It is to train up so that, that, that people all the way into senior, senior, the most senior reaches of, of, of management and, and to boards 
understand the importance of data and they understand how data in a very detailed, intimate way is connected to business mm. success, right? And we have not made that, we have not done that. And that is what we you know, said the, the data management has failed at. It, it has not done the training up job. And, and, and by the way, I mean, it's also failed, right? I mean, it is ridiculous that 3% of companies' data meets basic standards, right? So, so, so we've not done our job. And, and uh, I, I mean, and, you, you know, to me, like the way you start to do things better is you admit the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth, which we did not cause coronavirus, right? Data management did not cause coronavirus. But data management has has helped contribute to the misinformation and or the lack of data management has contributed to the misinformation and and, and the, the, you know, the human suffering that goes along with that. And yeah. and I think that if we're serious professionals and, and it doesn't apply to data management, but anything is recognize we weren't up to it when it mattered most. Right. And. And, and pure and simple, that's what motivated John and I. And, 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 and you know, and if we're writing it, of course, us, well, okay, I mean, it doesn't do any good to simply complain. It says, well, what are we going to need to do differently, right? And, and we dissected it. And, and the, 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 um, the prescriptions in that article are stunningly simple. And, and frankly, you know, to your point about, well, you know, do they apply just people in data management or, or uh, or elsewhere, they apply to everyone. Um, the um, the uh, I'll, let me just pick out the one that I think is most relevant to non data people, and that is this business of becoming a provocateur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you think about the organization's momentum on data quality, is sort of you know I got my hand going across the top of my head. Yeah. You know, sort of, okay, we got to get better at cleaning up stuff. We got to get better at cleaning up stuff. No, we got to not make mistakes to begin with, right? That's not a data management concept. That is a business concept. And, and so, you know, the real spirit of being a provocateur is you're changing the momentum from doing this to doing that, right? And anybody can do that. Any person on their team any manager can do that and at, 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 at any level. That is the spirit of being a provocateur. Mm-hmm. And it, in fact, I mean, I, I, you know, the people I recognize as provocateurs, far more of them uh, have been outside the data community than inside the data community. They've been concerned. So, well, we're not getting the right data from these suppliers or we're, we're, we're not managing risk correctly. I, I, you know, we're not managing the oil wells right. properly. Uh, note the subtle difference that between we're not managing the oil wells properly and we're not managing the data about the oil wells properly, right? You know, the, 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 the first one is it's we need data to do something of significance to the business. And, and, um, and that's why the opportunity for provocateurs is so great. If something in your business is not working well, right, there may be a great opportunity, but the, the data may be at the root of that and and you can make it better. Tom, is there a correlation or any pattern you've you've seen between you know 
deficiencies, we'll say, in, in data management and, and data quality more broadly, and things like technical debt. Like how how closely tied is the data problem to the technology problem or the way we're running technology in our organizations? Or is it not? Well, so look, I, I suspect that there's a lot of answers, uh, a, a lot to that. But one thing I find that almost everybody does is they they confuse the management of data and the management of tech. And and the worst thing you can do is you, you can subordinate the data, you know, you can subordinate the, the, the data, the, the tech. And, and uh, but the fact of the matter is, 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 you know, data is just a different kind of thing than tech. And and um, and if you confuse the two, then you end up not managing either one of them very well. Um, and, and so the first thing I, you know, tell people is, look, you gotta, you gotta separate the management of data from, from the, uh, the management of the, the tech. And so, you know, if we've got time for a little story, I mean, just, you know, not too long ago, if, if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to, you know, go to the theater. Right. And then, um, and then we got TV in houses and, and you could, um, you could watch the, the, you know, the movie in the house and, and then, you know, things get better and better. Video cassettes, you could watch it any time you wanted. And now you can watch a movie practically anywhere, practically anytime on practically any device, right? Um, but a bad movie is still a bad movie, right? That's right. And, right? And, 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 you know, by and large, making movies is different than making the technology, technology that by which you view them, right? And... And um, so when you run into problems, and a lot of things present themselves as systems problems, like these systems don't talk, but the really problems with the underlying data. Yeah. And, and if somehow you misdiagnose that and subordinate that problem as a computer problem, then, then you're going to have a lot of problems. And, and so... You know, this is an area, by the way, where, you know, companies and individuals, they make this mistake over and over again. I tell this story, um, Anthony, and everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's right. And um, but nobody thinks of that story on their own. Right. Uh -huh. Nobody comes to the conclusion. Hey, we can't put. We also had the discussion. You cannot put your CDO in tech. Right. Uh, they are different kinds of assets. Yeah, well, it, and I love this analogy, and 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 the audience of this podcast knows I'm I'm a bit of a student of analogies, and oftentimes will will go you know charging forward with a half baked analogy, and it just doesn't work. Your analogy <laughs> here though was was fantastic, and and what I like about it so much, and and the notion, it's a very visceral notion of a bad movie is still a bad movie, and then I also think about how technology is capable of ruining my movie as well. Like when I'm right. trying to watch a, a movie on my phone, when I'm commuting back on a train from, from downtown Chicago, I'd be commuting back home trying to watch this movie. I can't get a signal. My movie's all stuttery. It becomes yeah. a terrible experience, right? And so right. there's an analogy there too. If the technology can't support, if it can't just get out of the way of the data sometimes and let it and support it to do what it needs to do, then the data is going to be compromised in, in totally other, you know, different ways, but it's still going to ruin that experience for somebody because the experience has to bring together. The data is the most important thing. That movie is the most important thing. But if the technology gets in the way, if your medium gets in the way, then you're going to have problems too. If you can't hear the sound, 
you know, that's not going to, that's going to ruin your movie just as much as, as anything else. So. Right. I, look, I think this is a really good point. I mean, it, you, you know, so I talk about this a lot. People go, well, Tom, you don't like tech. And, and, and that's wrong. I mean, I, I, I love a lot of tech, but, but, but they need, and you said it this way, we, the two have to come together. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that probably means there's sort of like a co-equal investment. And, and there's way, way too much time and effort spent on the tech and way too little on the data for, for that to be working out. Yeah. By the way, interestingly, practically everyone, you know, if you ask the question, well, you know, which, which would you rather have? Would you rather, you know, would you rather have, have um, you know, a little bit of proprietary data or would you like to have the, the latest and greatest algorithm? Right. You know, those are your two choices. Everybody says, I'll take the data because because the algorithm's going to it may not be a commodity yet, but it's going to be a commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and most of the tech is a commodity and, and the data is what's unique. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's I mean, and it's kind of surprising. You create the value. You need the tech, but you create the value through the data. That's that's a that's a very good point as well because it, it is like we have we have the cloud now we have almost infinite computing power at our fingertips we do yes and we are able to squander that just as much as we've been able to squander technology for a long time and so I think there's a right. lot of truth in 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 your uh, in your comments there um, I would like so to, by the way but yeah. but let me build on it you know in 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 one regard because it gets back to a question you asked a minute ago so. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a a, um, a phrase, you know, data as an asset, yes, right, running around, and and you know, it's the kind of thing that a lot of data people would say. Well, I sent it to my boss. Why did he get it? Right, you know, kind of things, right? And and uh, but there's a couple of problems with it. And, and and by the way, I wrote a book on what it meant for data to be an asset, right? So I may have contributed to this problem. <laughs> But the first problem is, is that it is observably not true that all data is an asset. Most of it is never used by anyone for anything, right? right? It's hard to classify something you don't use as an asset, right? And then so much of it is bad, right? It is hard to classify bad data as an asset, right? And so we make this comment, so, oh, you know, data is an asset. And people look at that and they go, well, that can't possibly be true, right? Um, and and then, the, the you know, it's a, with a senior people, it's, okay, fine, it's an asset. What's in it for me? What specific business problems do I use it to solve? How do I create opportunity for from it, right? You know, how am I going to make it just so I can trust it when I make a decision? And, um, and, 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 and we've not spent enough time giving specific direct answers to that question which comes up every single time yeah yeah that that's that's a great point bad data is not an asset i think that one might be going in the title of this uh of this episode (laughs) um (laughs) the uh so but it so it's this reminds me actually and 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 some of the the frustration like we we know in the data management space we have not yet achieved what our potential is and and we're we're struggling with that and it's we know that the problem is there and and you and I talked um maybe about a year ago at a conference uh and and you expressed to me some frustration that stuck with me ever since that we as a data management community 
keep talking about this. We keep talking about exactly what we've been talking about on this episode so far. We've and, right. and it's been the same thing for years. It's it's getting bigger. It's evolving a little bit here and there, but it's it's the same stuff we've been talking about. And in these data management communities, you know, it's the same story. And it feels like we're not moving it forward. It's unproductive. What what are we missing? Like what? How do we break out of that and do it right? Finally, what 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 does that look like? Yeah. So I mean, look that that is a that is a really good question, and and it's not just the data management community, right? I mean, it's anybody who you know touches data, and I, I I've spent hours thinking about that. I I I think first of all, it's everybody's different, and and there's a a combination of reasons for, for, for any one individual. And, and, you know, never mind that over the, you know, tens of thousands of, of people with data management and their title and the millions who touch data. But, but first of all, I mean, in some cases, um, a lot of people are introverts, right? So people who go into the data, the data space are, are introverts. I, I remember one person one time telling me that they wanted to become a data modeler because they wanted to avoid politics. Right. <laughs> I didn't even do that. Last. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you poor, you poor, you know, whatever. Right. Kind, kind of thing. And, and, um, and now, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I, on one hand, I sort of get that. I mean, I was, a, I was an introvert, right. And so you kind of have to learn to, you know, to get out there and, and talk to people. Um, you know, and so, so and, and then the second thing is, is I, I think a lot of people in data, I mean, they really are enamored of the technology, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and they'd rather tell you about, you know, the blockchain thing or, you know, stuff moving stuff to the cloud than they would really engaging on, you know, what is going on in this department, why so much bad data is being being created. Um, and, and a third factor, and, and, and this one, um, really bothers me is is I think there may be some elements of fear, hmm. right? I think some people are just afraid of of getting out there and you know and 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 exposing themselves and some, you know maybe people will find out they don't know what they're talking about or 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 whatever it may be and 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 that's I'm 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 really disheartened by that, right? I mean because the opportunity is 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 so great and you know now is not the time to be paralyzed by fear and so so i don't know i i i i don't have a good answer anthony i i suspect it is a combination of things for for you know for different individuals yeah no i mean i think that there's a reason that we've been struggling with this for a long time and that the answer isn't going to be a, a simple one and and i i've often told that joke too at, at conferences and stuff it's like sorry data is all about people and changing behaviors and and all of this stuff that we were trying to avoid when we got into the data space in the first place like we were trying right. to go write queries because we like talking to the machines and like we like the the problem solving and the analytics side of it but if we focus all of our energy in that domain the thing that we really have to do, which comes back to connecting it to business, connecting it to how people are really using it, how business gets better with the the outcomes of this, you know, until we do that, then then all of this potential energy, these potential assets that we have, we can get them better and, and make them as, as useful as possible. But until they're actually used, it's just potential. It's just, you know, stuff we've churned in the machine that we hope someday somebody will pick up and make use of. 
Right. I mean, a, a potential asset is the same as a non-asset in terms of what it actually delivers. That's right. I, I, I want to build on, on, on one thing you were, else you were saying, though, and, and that is, 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 it is it is just not that hard, right? I, you know, I one time wrote a little article that, you know, was data management is not a job you do in your office, right? Or, or in your cube or yeah. whatever. You do it in other people's cubes and you do it in meeting rooms and you can do it over lunch, right? I mean, you, 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 you can do it over, over a beer after work kind of thing. It is just not that hard to engage and people are having trouble doing it. They ought to think about their long suit. Well, how do I like to engage? Am I, am I doing them in formal meetings? Do I do it one-on-one? Do I like to run into people in the cafeteria? Right. I mean, there's, there's it. If you think through what you're good at and, and, and let's face it, people in data management are smart and they care. Right. They we they and we can solve this problem and, and get out and do it. And it doesn't mean every engagement's gonna go well, but a lot of them are are really, really do. A lot of people want to hear from their, their, their data colleagues. I wanna I wanna pull on a thread because cause what you just said I think is so right. Like a lot of a lot of the success of data management comes from the soft side, from from that interpersonal connection. Right now, when we're so many of us are working remotely and there is no other office to go to or, or place to grab coffee in a lot of cases, and we're, we're starting, maybe it's starting to thaw a little bit, but what advice do you have when we're in a, in a Zoom-based world, when it's all video chats and telephone calls and emails? What can regular data management folks do to be as effective as possible, given some of the constraints of, of right now? Well, so look, I mean, I, I, I think the, you know, if, you, if you're an introvert, you know, the Zoom is, is, is kind of tailor-made for you, isn't it, right? You know, you don't have to plan it that well. You don't have to worry about the environment and the lighting as much and, and so forth. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think this is a very good answer, but whatever the conditions are, right? I mean, there's people that says, okay, well, I work in, in London and the people I need to talk to are in the Netherlands or Right. You know, or, 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 or I work in this time zone and I work in, you know, need to talk to people at other times. So there's always a reason not to connect. Right. There's a reason not to connect now and that, you know, people aren't are doing it face to face. But the bottom line is it was hard to do it face to face before. Mm-hmm. Right. And you had to take advantage of Zoom and and in some cases, email, email before. I, I, I guess what I would say is, is you may not use the pandemic as an excuse not to do it, right? So anybody who said, yep, Tom, got it, drank the Kool-Aid, once we're all back in the office, I'll reach out, then that, no. Do it today, right? Do it today. Uh, Today, make a list, if you're in data management, make a list of your three most important customers. And, And by the end of the day, either call them on the phone or send them an email and say, I wanna have a chat, right? Um, screw up your courage and do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's, 
it's so tempting to use this time as an excuse to not move things forward in, in this capacity and in every capacity, you know, and if, if you found yourself on the couch and not working out that day, or you've not, like, everything yes. could be an excuse right now. And so it's important to push through that uh, in, in a number of fronts. Um, so be, right. while we still have a little bit of time, I want to, I would like to talk to you about, so at, at your business in, in data quality solutions, you do a lot of work with very senior executives and they see data from their vantage point in ways that potentially others in the, the organization don't. And, and that may be for better or worse. What what tends to hold these organizations back even when the senior leadership is drinking that Kool-Aid is, and, and that senior leadership for support or senior leadership support for data management and transformations is there, but they're still struggling with some of the stuff that we're talking about. How do you resolve that? Well, so look, I, I, I think that a lot of our, you know, problems are, are built into the word support, right? You know, support is, is, is a sort of weak, active voice verb, right? So what, what we're really looking for is commitment. And, and we want people, senior leaders, who say, we're going to transform something, we're going to do this. They have assignments the same way that everybody else has an assignment. So I'm like, okay, and so maybe, look, you're going to go to a town hall. And at that town hall, you know, you're going to call out some good work that that Peggy and Peter and 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 Tim, right, you know, buried in the bowels of the organization did to fix something, right? And then, you know, so the, the, the next time there's a newsletter, you're going to talk about what data means to you personally, mm-hmm. right? And and um, and and so senior leadership, you know, yes, I support it. That's not what we're seeking. We're looking. We're looking to establish senior leadership to have senior leaders who have real skin in the game, who have real personal things to gain, personal benefits, and are willing to 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 then take on assignments, right? And and uh, and again, I mean, this is. I'm not just trying to pick on on the word support versus commitment. Mm-hmm. I mean. One is weak and the other is, is very, very powerful. Um, and, and, um, you know, look, I think that, you know, when somebody says, well, so-and-so supports it, you know, that's code for others in the organization that forget about it. You're not, you know, you're not going to get it done. Right. Um, And and it underscores Anthony, all the senior leaders I've ever met, they are really smart. Right. They are really smart and and they want a simple, direct answer to this question. Mm-hmm. What's in it for this business? OK. And, you know, I said, well, data is an asset. So, OK, fine. What <laughs> is in it for this business? I am dealing with this problem, this problem and this problem. How will data help on any of those? Um, and and, and then, by the way, I mean, good data almost always helps everything in decision making. But we can't be on this sort of general point. We have to be very specific. And, and, um, and you know, and senior managers are very supportive of good, strong answers to solving business problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. They commit to those things. They put in their personal time. They get good people on them and so forth. Yeah. Well, and, and it's it makes so much sense because think about and for anybody who's out there, think about if you had a big flashy kickoff to an initiative around data, which will tend to spike the interest early on. 
realizing though, or maybe not realizing in that moment that the data journey is a long one. It is not a particularly exciting one. Much of the Mm -hmm. time, you know, we think it's great, but we're weird. Most organizations are going to say, you know, this is a slog and it rightfully is. What you need is that executive who's there six months from that kickoff or a year from that kickoff and is still committed. So I think that though it, it, you know, comes, you know, we started as a semantic, you know, notion, I think is it it's an incredibly point, incredibly important point for anybody out there to realize, hey, it is about that lasting commitment and and that benefit that incentivize and, and creates momentum in your data efforts, because it's that that will feed, it will create something that can grow, because you don't have enough resources to keep dumping into a data management organization data governance organization that's not producing results no no organization has that luxury um for for any lengthy amount of time yeah that's correct let me build on that in one way one one thing i have found and it has been the best discovery of my career anthony okay and that when you do data management right it is fun right so you know we started out talking about you know somebody who's who's entering data Right? And, and instead of just entering their data, now their job becomes, hey, you have to meet these customer needs. Right? You have to figure out what's going on, the root cause of these things. You have to make the root causes of those things go away. Okay, It is a far more exciting job than simply you know, entering data or you know, dealing with it. So, right? It is people love finding and eliminating root causes of error. It is something we have going for us, right? And and um, yes, you need senior leadership, and 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 but you also, you know, get that pegged with with people enjoying it, right? You know, it comes together and can be really powerful. Yeah, I think that is great words of wisdom, and and you know, people should realize that we're not doing this because we're told to, or that it's a necessity. It is those things, but there's so much that can be built in terms of pride, in terms of happiness in your career and in terms of impact to your business. And if we keep orienting back to that, you know, it's important to get the, the blocking and tackling and the, and the domain aspects correct. But if we can find ourselves impacting the business in a meaningful way. That's what gets us going every single time. That's why we're in this business. And, and once you see that spark, it changes you forever because then you can put it all together as somebody who, who uses data to improve your organization. And and that's, um, you know, it's, it's incredibly powerful, whether you're a data management professional, a CEO, somewhere in between a, a technology worker, every one of us, data impacts what we do. And if we can make the most of it, we're going to do that better and we're going to have a more rewarding existence. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, it's what, what it's what keeps me coming in, right. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, there is real power and real human fulfillment in this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I right there with you. I love, I love this area because there's so much uh, that we're able to do and, and so many challenges. That's part of the reason why it's such a rewarding career. Well, Tom, we are absolutely out of time now. Um, I feel like we just scratched the surface. So hopefully we'll be able to have you back on a, on a future episode um, you know, very soon. But uh, thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you, Tom. 
And thank you for watching or listening today. You'll find links and more information about today's topic in the show notes. Please remember to subscribe to our show on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Algman.com to learn more about Algman Data Leadership and the many ways we can help you become a data leader. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. Thank you.